Welcome back, everybody, to Always Tribbin'. I'm your host, Mike Tribby, back again this week with another episode. Now, this episode, a special one, coming to you live from Arizona. My good friend I've known since high school and my Cinnabon days, Mr. Jose Castanon, also known as Man Bear Pig. What's going on? <laughs> What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> man, good seeing you. Been a long time coming. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've talked about this, I think, years ago, one of the other podcasts going, we're like, yeah, let's just get it done. And it just never happened until you actually moved away. And then, you know, now you're here with a mic. Look at you. So basically, you've been holding me back this whole time. Sometimes, uh, I wouldn't say I'm holding you back. I now, just wanted you You to heard f- it here first, people. It's We got the evidence. It's Jose's fault. This hasn't come sooner. Okay, it's not. It's not my. Pro, it's not my procrastination. No, it had nothing to do with me. Th- thank you for clearing the air. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's good catching up. It's been a long time. It really has. I've been out here in Texas six years now. Yeah, about six years. Uh, yeah, we always stayed in contact, even though you moved away from uh, from uh, Arizona. You know, we've been you know stayed close together and stuff. So sometimes you, know, you got to get out the hood. Yeah, sometimes you do have to get. <laughs> yeah, we'll say that. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, because we were we were super hood. If you don't know, I mean, you know, like boys in the hood, based on us, hundred percent, based except, on us, uh, made before our time. But they knew what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, as soon as you stepped on the scene, it was, uh, you know, they knew what the plan was, what the play was. They yeah. knew. I Everybody came out knew. the womb. The doctor tried to slap me. I grabbed his hand. Said, "No, player, not today." Went about my business. I, I believe that hundred percent. I was there. I'm lying. I cried. I cried like a baby. I'm still crying to this day. All right. It's been 29 <laughs> years of just crying. Okay. <laughs> 29 years. We don't, we don't need the facades here. All right. We're going to drop the egos. Man, no egos here. I'm very humble. But yeah, like I said, we've known each other since high school, senior year of high school, played some football together, which I got to say, I probably taught you everything you know. You know, I got to wow. say when it when it comes to the Peoria football team back in the day, um, I don't I don't like to toot my own horn. But, you know, I was pretty much the heart and soul of the team uh, and the muscle and the good looks and um, all the skill, too, which yeah, is why I retired from the game early before you can rebuke that, um, you know, which is why I, I didn't let out all my skills back then. You know, I didn't want anybody else to feel discouraged from trying. So. Oh, that's, uh, Let that's me have funny. This. Let me have this. Don't you don't even say anything negative. OK, listen, I could have been on the hands team if I worked harder. OK, <laughs> First of all, you had no hands. Trippy, yeah, uh, you played on the offensive line at 150 pounds soaking wet. I'm the host. Um, I control the narrative here, okay? Um, last time I checked when I first came to Peoria, uh, I got no respect until I knocked Hassan over uh, during seven on seven practice. And then, you know, from that day forward, they knew I was going to be the starter. Um, you know, eventually throughout the year, you know, I had the battle to get on the field. Um, I was ineligible to play uh, due to the fact that uh, I came from a different high school. And then I had an investigation saying that I got uh, um, I was recruited to go play at Peoria. I missed the first two games of the season. Um, and then after I beat the case, the rest is history. Um, I was all state linebacker, MVP of the Peoria football team, uh, first team all region linebacker. Defensive player of the year. I mean, you name it, every accolade that I have ever accomplished at Peoria, it's because of, you know, I did it. And it wasn't because of, you know, you, Tribby. Listen, you know? nobody likes a bragger, okay? Nobody cares about your high school football days. Listen, get over it, buddy, okay? It's not a big deal, you know? Just because you it's couldn't not- be, just because you weren't on my level and couldn't reach <laughs> <laughs> standards. <laughs> no one cares all right stop talking you're gonna be that guy you know at our 50 year reunion still busting out the highlight tape on the hologram no one cares okay i mean it's we on just, the youtube we just want to talk about me all right we just want to talk about my highlights okay 
No, I don't have any highlights. Honestly, I went back. I remember <laughs> after the season, senior year, playing O-line, killing it. I went back and I tried to make like a, a highlight tape to start sending to colleges because I you know, was delusional back then and thought I could play college ball. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching the tape. I had to turn it off. I really had to turn it <laughs> off. I would see myself run down the field. Like I don't know what was wrong with me. My pads were way too big. I had that stupid neck roll. Yeah. Who let me wear that neck roll? I'm so mad at... I didn't have a true friend on that team because all you guys let me go out there with that neck roll. We wanted you to look tough. I didn't. Because, I didn't look tough at all. <laughs> because you were undersized, we needed to give you more size, and it made it seem like you were just, you know, bigger and more intimidating. Even though no one was intimidated by you, we wanted you to feel intimidating. It kind of worked. You know, I did feel like it during the moments, but looking back, no. That's a regret, okay? I know you're not supposed to have regrets in life, but that's on tape. That's on film forever, okay? Yeah, that's true. This Who is taught true. me how to run? I don't know. Nobody taught me. We just wanted to, for the, the first two seconds, to put your hands on somebody. That way, AJ or, or LA could get past you and get some yards. That's all we needed you for, a good two or three seconds. When you got a great running back, you don't even need to be that good. So you need two or three seconds, and you were there. You were, you were the MVP with the two or three seconds. After that, going downfield we really didn't need you listen i don't know if there's a record of holding calls that i got throughout my career but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i could win an award for it i'm i'm probably top in the nation for holding penalties yeah 100 that is that is all you that is one thing i will give you and say hey tribute you earned that 110 percent. that was all you hey you know what no matter what either of us can say so what you might have been 100 pounds heavier and so what? Maybe you might have, you know, faked your birth certificate so you can play high school football while you're 30. Who cares? Oh. What we both did is we both went out there and tried our damn hardest. All right? This is you earn some respect on the field by how you <laughs> conduct yourself. Whether it's yeah. knocking out Hassan, which, I mean, come on, everybody's done that. Hassan, weak. Big baby <laughs> Haas, nothing. 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 I will Too say, with what football taught me and playing the game of football, um, taught me more about myself than anything. Um, more of a team dynamic, but more so how to, uh, you know, work together as a team and really push forward to what the things that you wanted to do. Um, and kind of having that good mindset where, you know, you can, you know, basically overcome and accomplish things based off how much work you put into it. Now, 100% of the time, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, you're going to put 100% of your, your effort in something. Things don't happen all the time. But, you know, at least for football, you know, at least for us, it, it, it worked out fantastic. Man, yeah. If I didn't play football, it would have taken me a lot longer to have confidence, to have belief in myself. Because that's the one thing that I think all sports teach us is what you got in you, right? Like when your back's against the wall, when you're dead tired and there's still more game to play. Being able to push through that and and persevere, I hope sports never go away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna have to stick because you know how else you learn about yourself um, without pushing yourself and being that moment where you have to really dig deep when it's fourth and two and the game is on the line. We've all been there. Me and you have both been there. And you're dead ass tired and something hurts in your body, but you still got to get that last playoff. You know, that's that's important thing. You can't teach that. You ever run downfield right after eating some CC's pizza? You got to clench. You got to hold it in. That takes a strength you don't even know you have until that moment. You know, I can't say I knew what it felt like uh, since I was uh, feeding my body what a Lamborghini would need to perform. The difference between a Honda and Lamborghini is just me and you. Hey, now that's disrespectful, all right? If anything, I'm a Hyundai. 
way more classier, better safety rating, okay? Yeah, more safety rating. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't then, and I still don't know what to eat. Diet-wise, I know I'm supposed to eat vegetables. I know I'm supposed to eat fruit. What order that goes in and, you know, whether or not that's on a cheesecake, I'm still learning, okay? I've never tore my Achilles, so fuck your Ferrari, okay? (laughs) Fine, you know. I've just done more um, on my body, you know, talking about bodies and what playing sports and competing in different things and, you know, the actual wear and tear, it really shows, man. You know, can you honestly think that you wake up and what is one thing that has always hurt on your body since, you know, playing the sport? Oh, I can give you multiple things. Um, Lower back, hips, knees, sometimes my pinky, sometimes. Is that the one that you messed up? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have i have the worst sports injury stories ever of because all the time playing everything i've ever done i've never been hurt in game you know like i've been beat up and had to take a playoff or two but all my broken bones which are both in my left hand my pinky and my ring finger were from me throwing the ball on the sidelines throwing catch on the sidelines not paying attention you look away for a second i looked away for one second Right before, it was the last practice we had, right before we got knocked out of the playoffs. Um, yeah. But we won't discuss that further. Last practice, <laughs> right as it was about to end. I have no business doing this. I'm playing O-line. I shouldn't even be Here. touching the ball. I have no right touching a football. It hits my hand so hard and in such an awkward way, and I, I feel my pinky just snap. That's it. That's my, that's my sports injuries right there. A broken pinky, a jammed finger, nothing to brag about, right? No, I have no war oh. stories. I have no cool scars from football i have a a fat pinky and a finger that doesn't bend all the way that's because you sh- you were doing things you shouldn't have been doing Tribby, you were known as someone who didn't have hands i was trying to uh, get him you know you gotta you gotta work <laughs> to get things okay you gotta put in the reps i was hoping for yes. a trick play your feet were horrible all right talk about hey, footwork. no that's the one thing i had okay when coach put me on offensive line and i looked at him confused because I knew what I weighed. I'm not, you know, there was no mystery. I was like, coach, I don't have, I'm not built for that. And he looked at me and he just said, Tribby, you got good feet. And that was it. That was it. That was the whole reasoning. To this day, I don't know how that helped me. When you got a 300 pound man running at you, good feet are not what you, that's not what you need. No, that's not what you need. You need explosiveness, you need good hips, you know, you need to be strong. But, you know, with your case, you know, I think, uh, we were kind of exposed when we played Sawaro. Yes, those are the 300-pound men I'm talking about. Yeah, those guys. Uh, you know, they, they had your number. You know, they had your address. You know, they had everything that you had to offer. And, uh, well, you did your best. I did. I held my own on about one or two plays that game. One or two plays, <laughs> I stopped them. But, man, I was <laughs> it was a dogfight the whole night. I actually had a lot of fun that game in the midst of it because we were going at it. And after the game, two of those players came up to me and they're like, hey, man, I don't know how you did it, but good job. I was like, That game was especially good for me because that was the first game that I was ever to play as a Peoria Panther. I don't know if you remember, um, I had a, a pill that day uh, with Mr. Camacho, the athletic director, and then they didn't give me an answer until probably about 20, 25 minutes before the game started. Well, to be fair, to be completely fair, Jose, you were not built like anyone else was built in high school. <laughs> if you were to transfer from any school, if if I was a coach and I had a player like you from freshman year all the way up to senior year, and then you decide to transfer, I'm putting every hold on you as I possibly can. Like, no, how dare you? <laughs> this is like you, you were my 
<laughs> you look like you were a freaking D1 player out there. A man amongst boys, which hurts to say because I was one of those boys. But man, it was it was ridiculous. So you come into our team. I remember that game because we were all like, we're finally going to see what he's about. Like there's been all this hype. This player's being held back because no one wants him to play. They think we recruited him. And which I'm okay if we did. I don't care. You, you know, did, let's be honest, did Clap throw you a little bonus on the side to come play? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm being honest, uh, all my friends, I went to Peoria Elementary when I was younger. So, you know, Debo, you know, a couple of others on the team. I went to, I was, you know, I played uh, flag football with them. So, like, going to Peoria High School was where I was supposed to be in the beginning. You know, along the lines of other things happening with uh, family and moving and stuff like that, you know, it didn't happen. So it was like uh, like the prodigal son returned. It almost had that feel. I've already thrown some hate on you, so I'll, I'll give you your flowers now, now that we've already <laughs> dug you a little hole. <laughs> it was. That was a good year for us because we got you coming in, just a beast at the linebacker position. And then we had LaQuintus Dow coming in Quintus. from Texas, which I got to say is probably like one of the best high school running backs I've ever seen personally. Oh, he was great. Like definitely top three before he tore his ACL. Like I thought we were a lock to get a rank. It felt like a good year. And then when you finally came in, you know, we had all our pieces. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, with the tools and the people that we had in positions that we, we had a squad and we were scrappy. We were definitely undersized, Um, but we were a scrappy bunch of kids you know, all we did was just go out there and gave it 110%. No matter what happened, we just played hard. That's exactly what I loved about Peoria, is we were all just a group of scrappy. We were just yeah. some dogs out there in Peoria. You know, <laughs> things happen. We won't yeah. we won't incriminate ourselves, though. Not Absolutely. like this. But now, nah, nope. so football, you know, obviously, you had my respect on the field. Um, off the field, I didn't know what to think of you, though. I'll remember the first time I met you was before you ever even came to Peoria. This was back when I was working at Dairy Queen. Shout out DQ. Blizzards all day. You got to bring back and keep the Kit Kat Blizzard. Stop stop playing with me, all right? Stop playing. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a trigger. Every time I mention, I hear DQ, it just, it triggers me. Um, but no, I remember I was working one day and I knew your girlfriend back in the day. And you guys walked in and I thought, the first thing I thought was, dang, she's with like some 30-year-old dude? Oh. <laughs> I thought it was so crazy. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I saw you at school, and I was like, "The hell!" It's like, how many times has this guy been held back? A couple hundred doesn't matter. <laughs> so my first impression of you was just that you were some creepy old dude before you showed up at high school, and I realized that we were the same age, which really bummed me out. You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, "What the hell?" <laughs> we actually got to know each other through our high school counselors because we both yes. had a rough childhood growing up. Um, and it's kind of funny cause like, I didn't actually reach out to any counselors until like my senior year when things just got really bad, when I was just living out of my car, didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And that was shortly after you got over to Peoria. So we kind of just kind of pushed together in a sense, <laughs> like, like, Hey, you're broken. You're broken. You guys are going to get each other. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. And, um, from when I first came to Peoria, you know, I obviously had to give everybody a full origin backstory on why I was there. Um, you know, so, you know, first off being homeless at 15 and then, you know, living with my football coach at Alhambra, shout out to coach Skinner, um, for a season and then moving in with, um, my son's mom at the time in, in moving to Peoria, you know, so it was, 
you know, I didn't really have any support. It was just me just kind of just going off a whim. Like, I, I just wanted to graduate high school and play football. So I think the best opportunity was to go to Peoria because I lived right down the street from Peoria instead of driving 35 minutes to go to a hammer. Yeah. And then going there, you know, I had to basically tell everybody the story of Jose. And from that, you know, point forward, you know, Ms. Lumberg, um, you know, the other council was just like, all right, cool. Let's just get you set up with a good support system here. And from that day forward, like I met a lot of good people, you know, obviously you still being one of my best friends and brothers, you know, I'm glad we still keep in touch because we've had that kind of experience of just kind of like a rough childhood that we can still, you know, you know, think back at and reflect and, you know, teach ourselves lessons from the things that we went through and what we've learned so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because on paper back then I looked like a good kid, <laughs> but reality you know i was i was having some fun um (laughs) but now that's one thing that i'm always thankful for looking back on my high school days is that support system miss lumberg miss hudson those teachers miss serwa coach sokol there was just so many really caring teachers and counselors and coaches there and it was a kind of that's one thing that i'm always grateful for because growing up you know you feel like everybody's against you you feel like the world's just full of shitty people because that's all you've been surrounded with your whole life and then when you finally meet people that are good for you it really helps you heal and understand that it's a bigger world than just your bullshit yeah so shout out to all you out there back in peoria yeah the good old p-town yeah it's not like that everywhere you obviously you've been to different high schools but i remember there was a few months where i was like ready to just be done with high school it was late in the senior year i only had a few more months to go anyways but i was like no i want to be done sooner so i transferred over to peoria accelerated high school and man that was like a prison (laughs) like they they patted you down when you came in they had metal detectors our lunches were literally ham sandwiches with a little cup of jalapenos on the side and a little bag of chips and like it was just shit and the teachers didn't care about anything. They just give you a packet, tell you to shut up and do your work. I went back to Peoria real fast after that. I was like, yo, this shit is, this is not worth it. This is. Hey, you realize how fortunate you are to get Chick-fil-A every Friday with a DJ. <laughs> hey, it was popping. All right. It was popping. It's funny because I thought, you know, Peoria High School was like an average high school. Like, I didn't think it was that, like, grand. Um, But when I went back and with my wife and we drove past you know you gotta always show people where you grew up everything yep. <laughs> like yo I, I eat lunch over there sometimes I went to that <laughs> churches across the street um, but we drove past the high school and she was like I didn't know you went to a rich school and I was like rich what P-Town crazy what? yeah we're, we're hood what do you mean rich <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's funny because um, so going to Alhambra which is an inner city high school right and then going to Peoria, my perception was completely 100% the opposite. So the grass is greener on the other side. So going from Alhambra where athletics are literally the last thing that's on everybody's mind. Yeah. And, you know, there's gang fights and there's black and Mexican people fighting. And there's, you know, there's always issues and drugs and it just it's bad. And then going to Peoria, you know, they got these teachers that are caring. Um, you know, you have your, your few bad apples. But in all reality, like, it was just an amazing feeling, an amazing turnaround. The, the difference between athletics um, was just different. The field was different. Coach Clapp was just, at the time, an amazing coach. You know, he bought me my, he bought my cleats. He bought my backpack. He made sure I was taken care of. Um, and then how much he cared about, 
you know, the football athletic, you know, system was just an amazing feeling. And seeing all the kids that we played with was just an amazing feeling, too. I just feel like it was an overall good experience of change of uh, complete environment, you know? It was definitely a special place. Yeah, it was. What I remember most about graduating is that you had a lot of accolades. Not for sports, but for academics. Yeah. Because you were... People thought I was the dumb. Smartest. Yeah, you were super fucking smart. <laughs> super. People. And that was like surprised. You know, if anything, I was envious of how smart you were. Because, uh, yeah, I was, you know, athletically gifted, you know, but academically, like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best student. I will say that. But you were. And I was very, very, I wouldn't say jealous. I would say, man, like, I just want to be like that guy in the classroom. Well, academics just um, came a lot easier to me than athletics. I was always trying to chase those Letterman jackets and, you know, trying to get all my, my pins for athletics. So it's kind of funny you say that because I was always like, oh, I didn't give a crap about any of the academic stuff. Every time I would show up to get an award, people were always surprised when I was there. Like yeah. I, I remember the first honors assembly thing we had in high school. And um, I walked in looking to figure out where I'm supposed to sit. And one of the teachers walked up to me and she's like, what are you doing here? Are you serving food or something? <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, people are serving food here? Like, no, I'm I'm here because I'm... I won something like I'm supposed to be here. And she's like, really you? I was like, yeah, r- really me. Yeah. I'm, people did not expect it. It happened all the time. And the funny thing is, is um, I actually did make the, you know, national honor society and all that, but I got kicked out because I didn't do my community service because it was during football season. It wasn't worth it to me. I didn't care about any academic stuff at all until this kid, you remember him, Jared Hummel. Yeah, Jared Hummel, yeah. Jared Hummel. He was not the best athlete. He was on the offensive line with me. <laughs> and uh, he was always bragging about how he was the smartest one on the football team, right? He was just always bragging he was the smartest athlete, whatever. Which, I mean, dude couldn't bench two. He couldn't bench tens. No, he don't, didn't. I don't care how smart you are. Funny you, you, you say that because I remember that was one of his like little comebacks, you know, being on the team. Well, I'm smarter than you. Well, it doesn't help you here, does it? No, it does not. It it doesn't help you when you gotta you know actually have some strength. Yeah, mental strength doesn't equate physical strength. Sure does. But he was bragging one day, you know, as he always was about how smart he was. And then when it came time for graduation, you know, they lined us up by percentage for like the top ten percent, and I was way ahead of him. And the, oh wow! And the look on his face as I was walking past him and getting in line, priceless. I can only that was the that. only academic award I cared about was just the look on his dumb face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always fun stuff. Yeah, I didn't take. I never took school seriously, even when I was in college. It's funny. The three <laughs> semesters that I've actually spent in college, all three, I was on the dean's list. Really? Um, yeah, and I just dropped out. I dropped out twice. I just didn't. Yeah, college just felt like a waste of time for me. I had the same type of attitude. So, for me, I needed money. <laughs> Going to college, you know, and, you know, since I didn't do as well academically, you know, I couldn't take all the D1 offers I had. So I just went to a JUCO and I I was in college for probably like a good month, month and a half. And then finally, you know, we're in English class and they're like, yeah, I want a savage page paper on this, you know, subject in which I didn't understand. I remember the teacher was not trying to elaborate at all. She just kept on telling me to go online. And this is like, you know, back when, you know, going online wasn't very dependable. You know what I mean? Remember those days where, you know, yeah, go online and check what it says and it wasn't very dependable. And so I was like, I don't want to write this shit. This is stupid. I don't need college. This is dumb. 
and I was playing football. But even still then, football for me, like after I graduated, football played its purpose for me. Football was only to get me through high school because it wasn't for football. I wouldn't have graduated. So yeah. when I made it to college, I already like football already played its purpose in my life. And I kind of lost passion to play football because it already played its purpose. Football wasn't something that I was interested in to go on and play a whole bunch. It was just to keep me in school. And that's all I cared about was, you know, being able to be eligible to play football. Yeah, I get that. I was always surprised when you stopped playing in college because you had the talent, I thought, to be one of those guys that, you know, at least made it to the combine, you know, maybe yeah. maybe got a practice squad. Wow. You know, hey, that's <laughs> – I feel like that's still pretty good, right? That's still, you know. It's, I feel like I was better, you know, but not practice squad better. Well, you know, like maybe, you know, with some more years, you know, if, if you could learn a little bit more of my techniques and game, it could probably push you towards the edge, you know, and, you know, break through into the league. But – yeah. I just have a busy schedule. I can't just be out here coaching you all the time, okay? All right, I just can't do it. Can't can't give away the whole kitchen, you know? This is true. You only give half of what you what you know. Exactly. You got to keep that bag full, people. Street <laughs> wisdom right there. I got to say, now I haven't personally seen your fights in I've seen some highlights and I could probably kick your ass. I'm just going to say that, you know, just just from watching the highlights and knowing knowing how you fight now, I could, you know, I could probably knock you out. You know, I'm gonna have to disagree on that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, straight I'm only gonna from, uh, say that on when we're in different states. So. Yeah. <laughs> after after college, uh, I went. I think I went through like phase of like a year and a half of. Uh, I got my first apartment, and then um, you know, in high school we partied hard. So then I had my own place. So I was like, I'm just gonna party, and we did. You know, me and my my crew we partied a little bit. Then after that, like I was like, I need to do something. I need to. Be, I need to feel fulfilled because after football. You know, like I said, football played its purpose, but that void is still there. You needed to fill that time with something else. Otherwise, you're going to do a whole bunch of stupid shit. So I was like, why not go try to fight? You know, at this time, I'm watching, you know, movies like Warrior, right? I'm watching old UFC highlights and stuff like that, and I've never had a desire to fight anybody. Let me ask you this question. How many people, Trippy, have you seen me fight in high school? I don't think I've ever seen you fight. I've never fought in high school. I've never fought anybody other than my own siblings. My fighting career was all early on. I got all my fights out of the way in elementary school. You know, reached the pinnacle of elementary school fighting, and then I called it a career. I've only been in one fight since elementary school. Really? Yeah. What happened? Well, let's just say, you know, somebody tried to step to me, and, you know, I had to step to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> That's the story? I want, like, I thought it was like a full story. No, it's funny because it wasn't even a fight I had any business in because it was Hassan, of all people, was beefing with this guy, Anthony. And the weird thing is, is that I was friends, you know, obviously with Hassan. He's been on the podcast. People know him. I had another group of friends that was friends with Anthony. So I was kind of like in this middle where I had one group of friends defending him and another group, you know, coming at him. So when I showed up to my friend's house and Anthony was there, he automatically started talking trash. Oh. That just turned into him swinging and us fighting. It was a really quick fight, too, because the funny thing is I was in college at the time, and I was, like, yeah. on my way to class. I just stopped there because I, I think I was trying to use Garrett's printer or something. They were helping me out. So I stopped there real quick. He happened to be there. 
the fight lasted like a minute because like I ended up throwing him on the ground. Might have kicked him in the face a little bit. So illegal stuff in the in the cage, but it's completely oh, yeah. street. Hey, listen, I'm not I'm not a professional fighter. I'm not. <laughs> there's no rules out in these streets. Okay. You're right, 100%. You can come to some gentleman's agreements beforehand, you know, like nothing in the face, nothing in the balls. Well, nothing in the balls should always be clear, all right? Oh, man. Unless unless you really got to, all right? That's the last resort, okay? Just, it hurts so much. I'm going to say like this, man. If I'm ever fighting in a street, which I've, I haven't had to do, and in my mind, you're trying to kill me, and I have to protect myself, which means I have to try to kill you first before you kill me. I'm going for everything. We're no longer fighting. There's no agreements. I'm trying to survive. And whatever I need to do to survive, I'm going to do. You better believe I'm grabbing balls, bro. 100%. Listen. Man, I got to protect myself. And if I got to do what I got to do to make sure that I ensure that happens, yes, I'm grabbing balls, bro. Listen, there's a time and place, okay? <laughs> but but if you're going in there and that's the first that's your first move, get out of here, man. <laughs> can't be can't be your go-to option, you know? Listen, I think it was Friday after next, Cat Williams in the bathroom. Yeah. That was a necessary ball grab. Yeah, no it was. 100%. So, like I'm saying, there's a time and place, but being, you know, gentleman's rules shouldn't be the go-to move. I mean, that's if we're gentlemen. But um, back on the topic. So I've never gone to a fight, and I had this idea that I'm going to go fight. Yeah. I'm going to go pursue this. I've never punched anybody physically in the face without a helmet. Yeah, it's not a good move. Not a good move you know, no. I'm playing linebacker. You know, look, say what you want. I was a clean player, but what happens inside of a, a pile is never set. Grabbing balls. All day. But so... I start training. I go to this gym called CJ Mame. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm just big time. I'm like big and strong, athletic. And I'm like, I got this. And I go to the first jujitsu class. And I wrestled. I dabbled in wrestling in, uh, in Utah when I lived out there. And I, I'm doing this jujitsu stuff. And I'm getting my ass beat, right? I'm, I have no idea what's going on. At, you know, a light bulb hit me. I was like, there's levels to the shit. And obviously, I'm on level zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am what you call. Yeah, so I get my ass beaten there. Then I remember this guy was like, hey, I'm looking for people to spar. I have a fight coming up. And I was like, I could throw a punch, right? <laughs> I go inside there. I get my ass beat. I'm like, again, there's levels to this shit. So I'm questioning everything that was going on. I was like, I actually have to pay attention and learn this stuff. And I had this coach at the time. Uh, he was like, you want to do a smoker fight? And I was like, sure. I don't know what a smoker fight is. Um, it's an unsanctioned fight is what a smoker fight is. Mm-hmm. That means it doesn't go on your record. So I go to this, like, this little hole in the wall by the gas station thing. There's a whole bunch of people there uh, literally screaming, whatever, with this half-sized cage. Kill him. You know, basically. Murder yeah, basically, him. <laughs> like, So I go inside there, man, and I'm just pumped up. In the back room, I'm listening to Slipknot, man. I'm just getting pumped up. I'm doing the same shit I used to do when I was playing football, just get pumped up. You know, doing whatever I had to do, you know, get mad and, you know, yell and scream, whatever I was doing. Go inside there. I knocked this guy out in like 35 seconds. Some big, tall, you know, kind of bigger, lanky, white dude. I knock him out, break his nose, and I'm on top of the world. I'm on cloud now. I'm giving people high fives. I don't care how I look. I'm just like, yeah, this is great. And then I have a second smoker fight. Um, I knocked that guy out, some Indian guy. I was fighting at a, a Fort McDowell Casino. I knocked him out about 45 seconds. So now I'm really cocky, right? And I meet this guy. Yeah. 
I meet this guy, changed gyms, and I went to the UFC gym. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking that's a that's a that's a good gym. That is a real gym. When I'm fresh in the game, uh, the UFC gym is not a real gym. It's all about the name. Yeah, it's all about the name. So I met, I meet this guy named Shannon the Cannon Rich, and he was you know at the time really big in MMA out here in Arizona. Um, even though his record doesn't show that, uh, I think he's lost more fights and he's won and he has like over 150 maybe close to 200 fights now hmm. and he was the promoter for this fight and fighting you know finding uh fighters and he's like yeah man uh, i got this guy lined up his name is riley truitt right so this guy is probably about six six 260 maybe 270 pounds just just solid tall white guy shannon says he's like he's only boxing doesn't know any ground game little did i know this guy was like really good at jujitsu i think it was like a brown belt at the time so I go into this fight thinking I'm going to knock this guy out. It doesn't happen like that. I get my ass beat for two rounds, two rounds and a half. <laughs> I'm bleeding. Uh, my nose is all messed up and bleeding. I'm, I'm sure I was severely concussed. But I remember the last round, I go into the corner, and my corner man didn't even show up to the fight. So I'm oh, corner manless. That's supposed to this be your is, guy right there. Yeah, it's supposed to be my guy. So I have this random guy in my corner, and he's like, do you want to keep on going? And I'm like, yeah, man, sure. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking, because my mind isn't even there. Again, I'm severely concussed. And I go out there, and I'm again, getting my ass beat for half the round, and then finally something clicks. I, I've had enough of getting my ass beat, and I start, you know, fighting back with everything I have, even though I have nothing left to give. And I almost end up knocking him out in the, in the last round with 10 seconds to go, and I'm just digging deep, and, and the bell rings, and, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with the performance I have, but I found something inside of me that I had to find, and the only way I can do that was pushing myself to a certain limit where I had to push through. Yeah, you get so, your back against the wall. There's no other option. Yeah. You either fall and give up or you just go to you get knocked out or even more concussed. Yeah. And that's I've never been known for someone who to give up on anything. So I go 100 percent in it. And, you know, after the fight, you know, we, I talked to him. I have no idea what, what he said. As a matter of fact, I drove myself there and I have no idea how I got home. All I know. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> all I know is I woke up, my eyes all swollen, my nose is swollen, still got crusty blood inside there, and you know my body is just you know bruised and battered. And at the time I was fighting heavyweight, so I decided to take fighting serious. So I ended up losing weight, dropping down to light heavyweight, which is 205 pounds. And at the time I think I was like 250, dropping out of 205, and I was like, all right, cool, I feel good at this weight. I fought there a couple times as an amateur. Um, I think I got you know two belts and two different promotions and then i've as a champion in those promotions i actually made sure that i kept my belt i didn't lose i was undefeated and i was got to beat so it felt good for me to leave those promotions and relinquish those belts because i didn't lose yeah, i was you like can't, you can have you these ain't belts. taking them i'm giving them to you you're welcome i'm out on yeah. to the next and then after that i again i continued my my journey with mma and i got more serious and i ended up dropping down to middleweight which is 185 which probably is the lightest i've ever you know weighed outside of being a junior in high school and that's a crazy that was, difference like you start at 250 just going from 250 to 205 like that takes a crazy amount of discipline i stay at 220 i've been telling myself for the years i'll get to 205 i'm at 220 forever will be hopefully it doesn't go up. but And then all the way down to 185. Dude, 75 pounds? Yeah. You say it so casually. What's insane about fighters, when you guys are locked in, that's a crazy extreme change. Yeah, it is. It, it, and the way I think about it now, I would have never thought I'd be able to do it if I'm just thinking about it now. But before, 
I was like, yeah, man, you know, 250, 205. I was like, I got it. I'll just run more. I'll eat more of this, eat less of this. I'll work out this many times, and I'm just going to do that until I drop the weight. And so that's where I began. My whole journey of being more disciplined um, started from there. Got down to 205 and then 185. I mean, I was disciplined for that fight, but I wasn't doing what exactly I needed to do. Now, I would never recommend this, but I think I lost about 15 pounds in one week to make 185. That's insane. And I have no idea how I was even standing on that on that scale, but I made weight. And after I fought that first time, I was fighting this guy named, um, what was his name? Sam Compton. Now, <laughs> Dope name. When, uh, <laughs> when I was an amateur, you know, Sam Compton, he was uh, 3-0 at middleweight, and I was 3-0, and we're both in Arizona, and we're both undefeated, so why not? You know, why not fight? We make the fight, and this guy is probably like 6'7", with a reach that's just ridiculous, you know, super jujitsu guy, super calm and like, you know, a type of guy that'll walk out listening to Backstreet Boys, which he did. Which song? So, Do you remember which song? Uh, man, I think it was like the Everybody. No, it was a Bye Bye. That that oh. Bye Bye song. <laughs> yeah. That All right. My wife's a huge fan, so I'm so constantly surrounded by it. <laughs> uh, it's even on my own phone. That's uh, sorry to hear that. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so he comes out to that song and you know already I'm already I'm already annoyed because he came out to that song because it was almost like he was spitting in my face. Oh yeah, you're it was a joke to weak. him. Yeah, like he's gonna run over me. Yeah, he's so even already, thinking man, about this. Yeah, not at all. And me, I'm just like I'm insulted completely. So I go inside that fight and it was a three round fight. Um, I ended up TK on him in the last round. It was why the first fight that I went all three rounds and actually was pushed to a different limit. And I had to like dig deep. We we're both tired. This guy's eye was busted open and just black. He only said on one eye. Me, he broke my rib in I think the second round. So oh. I can barely breathe. It hurts. And we're just, you know, going at it. So I ended up beating him and I ended up winning winning a belt in that promotion, you know, with that journey. And then I would say six or seven more fights. You know, I'm starting to get sponsorships. You know, I mean, people are starting to, to grab on and gravitate towards what I'm doing, which made me feel really good. And I'm doing everything right. And my training ups from, you know, running maybe three or four miles to running 10 miles a day. You know, I was running 10 miles a day. I was in a gym probably about three or four times a day, all while working a full time job and, you know, taking care of my son. So it was a lot on my plate, but I have a goal. And if anybody knows me like yourself, if I put my mind to something, I'm going to do it 110%. I'm going to go 100% at it. Yeah, you're annoying like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just doesn't stop. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, man. It's really impressive to see the growth because that was something that I got to see kind of blossom from you first started posting about fighting to actually seeing the sponsorships come in and the belts come in. I mean, that was a really fun thing to see, I think, for everyone that knew you growing up. You always had that talent. You've always had this athleticness to you. So to see you put that to use, about time, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was good to see. If you don't like seeing people fulfill their potential, then you're a dick. So yeah. change. I mean, Be better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like looking at you and your podcast and, you know, you getting married and you having this this family that you're creating on your own. I think, you know, if anybody knows you and where, were you, and where you came from and seeing you just do what you do and how happy you are, man... And just the love that surrounds your relationship and what you're doing, like, man, that's a win. Like, I get excited talking about that. And, you know, how you're like, man, Jose, you were good in football. You're good in fighting. I'm like, man, I got to get on Trippy's level because he's doing shit that I haven't done yet. And I need to do what he's doing. 
because this guy looks happy. He's getting married. Like, this dude's married. I'm not even married yet. And I was like, why is this guy, he's doing this? And I'm like, man, I got to do what he's doing. So in a way, I look up to you and the, the, the things that you've done, you know, outside of anything when it comes to relationships and, you know, taking that, that leap and knowing where we came from and not trusting nobody to get married. Well, to be fair, to be fair, the bar was set pretty low for me. So the fact that I'm not in jail, most people are like, yeah, he's doing his thing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I got a clean criminal record. Like that's, that's probably the biggest boast um, right there coming from my family. Good people, great people, (laughs) some wild people though. (laughs) Nah, man, you know, it's, it's funny though. I've been kind of talking with some other friends about this lately about our different paths. I was actually just talking to one of our old friends here um, recently, and he was talking about how he feels like people are passing him up in life because they're getting married, they're having you know healthy relationships with their baby mamas, which ain't easy for a lot of people. Progressing in careers, the thing is, is like what we do is completely different. But the thing that matters, like forget like what you look at on the outside and see a success are you good as a person? Like, are you happy with what you're doing? That's it. If you're happier, like in your life, even if you don't have that much going on, you're ahead of so many more people that you don't even realize. We put so much worth into so many trivial things like material and opinions, which, you know, opinions are like assholes. Most of them got shit on them. So I don't know. And I don't know how to take a compliment well. So whenever... (laughs) Whenever people give me uh, any kind of compliments, you know, I'm like, uh, no, I feel like I have so much more to go, right? Like, I feel like I'm just at the very cusp of what I'm supposed to be doing and uh, I still got a lot of work to go. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of, uh, that's the beauty about life is when like you not being comfortable, you know, you, you know where you're at now, but you still have more to go, which means like you, you were progressively trying to figure out how to get better and continue to move forward to, to better whatever it is that you're doing, your endeavors, and never just stop. That is the true essence of living. And when you stop doing stuff like that, when you stop building and you stop growing, that's when you start making that spiritual suicide. I'm going to write down exactly what you just said, and I'm going to tell that to my wife because she keeps getting mad that I'm moving stuff in the kitchen. And this is <laughs> you don't understand, we're not optimizing our space, you know, <laughs> just like a lot of people aren't optimizing their lives. Exactly. Don't you sell gotta, you, Move things around, man. That's it. <laughs> Every just week, she's keep getting. I'm tired of getting yelled at. All right, I'm trying to just convince her to be okay with it. <laughs> just change is gonna happen. All right, we got a small kitchen. We got too much stuff. That's 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 the issue. You gotta try. But, you gotta try new things. You know, and, and try to optimize everything. Never settle. Never give up. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look look. For instance, for example, man, you're doing a stand-up comedy now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've always knew that you could do stand-up comedy because me and you together i think we're the most sarcastic people combination wise and to see you doing it i haven't seen that the show you know any kind of live stuff or you know anything you put out there you know i just see the pictures you smiling your hands doing different crazy things no big deal yeah i'm trying not to get canceled you know this early so that's why i just put the photos you can't get canceled for well you can get canceled for a photo but not these photos these (laughs) these are clean yeah those are clean photos (laughs) so you do stuff like that was uh you know, again, like, cause I'm, I wanted to dabble in uh, stand-up comedy, too. I wanted to dabble. I've been inquiring to different places to go, and I'm just like, all right, cool, I'm going to go do this. And then I look at you, I'm like, mm, he just beat me to the punch. Piece of shit. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's funny you say that, because the, the entire reason I got started, you know Basinger, yeah. um, old friend of ours. I've known him forever. 
he started to do stand-up. I think I've told this story here on the podcast, but I'll tell it again. I don't care. But he started to do stand-up out in Portland um, and I think New York. He, wherever he was going, he just was going out to clubs and doing it and was having some success. And when he told me that, I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do this. There's no way that I can't do this if he's doing it. So <laughs> my entire motivation was just to prove that he can't do anything better than me. <laughs> but man, I got to say just when you find some passion like that, like with you with fighting, that feeling that you have winning that fight, getting those belts, that's kind of the same feeling I feel like I have when I'm on stage. Even when it's just like doing a small open mic, as long as there's like, you know, five people and I get like two of them to laugh, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's like I knocked somebody out right now, you know? Same feeling. Less effort, but you know, same triumph. Yeah. It's a, it, look, the feeling is still there. So realistically, man, in everybody's journey in life is is that you just got to continue to grow and never settle for just where it's at. You know, kind of like you and your wife in the kitchen. You know, you can move things around. It could be better. Just like everything in life that you do could be a lot better if you just if you want it. You know, everything's out there. Everything, no matter what it is that you want to do, it is 100% out there for you, to, for you to get. Now, will it always happen the way you want it to work out? No. No, not the even way a that, little bit. The way that you take your losses is how you will handle your win. You know, we have this saying in the gym, you know, either win or you learn. There's no losses. Bars. Because the reason why the other person beat you was because you did something to help him beat you. You beat yourself. So if you can beat the man inside of you, the man across from you doesn't even stand a chance. Mentally, spiritually, you have to be strong to overcome those things in life that come in and try to pull you down and take you down deeper. You know, talking about, you know, dark holes, me and you, we've been down super dark holes that we've kept on digging further and further and further. The type of things that we've gone through and what we've accomplished, you know, despite where we were at is just astonishing to know that growth is possible if you want it. Those those people that are willing to grow and then those people that are willing to not. And they, they settle for where they're at right now. And that's where they stay for, you know, the majority of their lives. People like me and you, we figure out where we're at and then we just change where, what we're going to do and then we figure it out and go forward. That's it, man. You just, you can't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail. That's it. Inevitable. It's going to happen. And how you handle that, whether you're going to sulk about it and blame the world and think that, you know, it should have went a different way or you're going to get up and you're going to try a different way. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's something I feel like that's why we get along so well is we we have that mentality because a lot of people don't. And I feel like there's something I actually just saw on Instagram. I think it was yesterday about how happiness is a skill. Yeah. And we've talked a lot in the past, you know, when we've been going through our bullshit, trying to dig ourselves out of these holes about how and what it means to be happy. And it, it really is something that you have to choose every single day. Yeah. I know, speaking for myself, I know that's not a choice I make every day. You know, people on the highway, um, some telemarketers will definitely agree with that statement. You know, sometimes I do not choose peace. Sometimes I choose violence. But overall, it's about trying to be better. And I mean, even I, if you fall, get your ass back yeah. up. I wrote this uh, this quote that whether or not someone else wrote it before I did doesn't matter. I don't know. I, I said, uh, happiness isn't a destination. And like you said, it's a choice. Happiness is not a destination. So I, I see a lot of people that are out there and they're like, yeah, you know, one day I'll be happy. Happiness isn't a destination. It? It's, yeah. Happiness mm-hmm. is something that you choose to, to do now. 
You don't choose to do it later. You choose to do it now. It's not a destination, a time of two years, three years, you know, when you're continuing to go forward that you'll finally reach happiness in two in two years and 45 seconds. Hmm. It happened. <laughs> Mark it down. Yeah, because that's the thing. When you put your happiness on something else, like if it's whether it's a job, it's a car, it's another person, once you get that, you then, how are you going to maintain that? It's you. It's not anything else. I mean, sure, when your life's going great, it's easier to choose happiness. But hell, even the most successful people in the world, all the money in the world, terrible. Yeah. You know, they're miserable people. So, I mean, what do you do from there? You know, a person who has everything that we feel like will bring happiness doesn't bring them happiness. And that's one important aspect that people need to realize is that materialistic things don't bring happiness. What brings happiness, being happy internally with yourself in order for that happiness to 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 come out to light so that other people can see it and people see when you're happy you know people see they, they like to be around those kind of people they like to be around me and you because we're generally happy people not all the time but no we we are really happy people we just make we are ourselves our 100 genuine selves doing what we feel like is going to make us happy and whatever makes us happy you know makes other people laugh and feel more comfortable that we can be ourselves which makes them be themselves too it's an effect. All about the vibe. Yeah. All about the vibe, man. The vibe I'm is saying, good. We probably could make a, a killer DJ combo. I'm just saying, you know, if, if things start, if things don't go your way in the fighting game, um, you know, in this podcast, if I get canceled, you know, I'm thinking we should link up, get some playlists going, <laughs> get a little DJ gig going. I'm saying we could, Absolutely. we could kill at some bar mitzvahs. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. We can definitely do that. Me and you, yeah, we're a team. <laughs> <laughs> So, so in about a month, when we both uh, <laughs> when we both just um, fail, where you'll see us, catch us on Instagram, DJ. Well, we gotta come up with a DJ name. We'll yeah, get back DJ, to you. We'll get back to you on that. Yeah, a couple it, names. It, it takes a lot of work and delicacy to get the right name. Absolutely. We got a month before we're done. So, <laughs> <laughs> plenty but, of time. Uh, yeah, man. Plenty of time to just continue to move forward and grow, man. The world is, life is about growing. Absolutely. It's one, if you're not growing, how do you gain happiness? Because you're not getting those little wins. And working in these group homes, as you know, I've been working there for like the last 10 years. Uh, you know, these these kids, they remind me of so much of myself that they're not taking the little wins that they, that they have. You've got to take the little wins. Every little win that you get, that's a win. And those little wins matter to this big championship of life. Absolutely. I mean, just stopping and appreciating the little things in life are going to take you a long way. Having gratitude, being able to put aside your ego and realize like it's a much bigger world than just you, right? Like we may be the main character in our stories, but we're not the main character to the universe. No, we we play a role in everybody's lives. We're supporting characters in everybody's lives we encounter. And what we do with that is very important. And it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no, that's the thing. There's no checklist. There's no, if I do everything he's doing, I'm going to be happy or, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, you got to figure out what it is that's important to you and your heart. What's going to be able to, to motivate you and, and get you able to, to look on the bright side every day. For the both of us, that was not an easy process. You know, was- we, were, we spent a lot of time angry, um, we, a lot of phone calls, just cussing out the world, trying to figure out what it was that, you know, was keeping us down. Um, and ultimately, it was it was us. 
ourselves. 100%. It was ourselves and how we grew up and the things that we held on to from our past and our past traumas that held us back from being really happy and really finding that ultimate happiness within ourselves. You know, there's this... Uh, there's this thing that I'm, you know, dabbling in, you know, with this whole spiritual out spirituality thing is really understanding your inner child. Mm, that's deep. Understanding okay. out and what your inner child has gone through. And those traumas aren't away. They don't ever go away unless you confront them head on. And you're like, man, it's like talking to your inner child. Like, I know you went through a lot of shit. It's OK. I'm going to take care of you now. We're OK now. I'm going to do things to make sure that you're at peace. And when your inner child's at peace, then your grown up self isn't as angry. Your grown up self isn't very, you know, you're not agitated all the time. You're not always thinking about the past and, you know, think about holidays, you know, Thanksgiving just passed. Oh. And for a long time, I hated the holidays. I hated Thanksgiving. I hated anything that had to do with any kind of family stuff because, yeah, I, you know, growing up, I really didn't have that family dynamic. And now that I'm at peace with myself, and I'm happy with myself. My inner child's happy with who I am today. And what I've done, I look forward to the holidays. 100%. I look forward to the holidays where I just want to just be around people who make me happy, mm -hmm. who are important to me. Yeah, man. And that's what we... Yeah. That's, that's everything, is forgiveness. That's something I struggled with, you know, hell, for a long time. Just yeah. holding grudges. And um, I've kind of been talking about it a little more recently, especially with my father and, and realizing that holding a grudge against him and, and being upset and pissed about all, all the abuse, all the neglect, it doesn't do anything but hurt me. Yeah. When it comes down to forgiveness and, you know, one of my biggest things was trusting people because I, I, I've gone through life not trusting anybody because I've always had to have myself and, you know, anybody who ever thought was going to be with me wasn't with me. And one thing that I learned was trust everybody. Trust everybody. Now, when I say that, I mean, trust everybody to be themselves. If that person is a liar, trust him to lie to you. If that person is, you know, is going to hurt you, trust him to hurt you. Trust people to be where they are because then you don't have the disappointment that you trusted them and they let you down. I if like you trust that. everybody, if you trust everybody for who they are, you won't have any disappointment because you already know who they are. Well, don't try to. Sometimes you don't know who they are. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got to have. A, there's you, a little learning curve. There is, but if you if that person is like in your inner circle or like you know barely out of your inner circle, whatever the case is, you have to have an idea of who that person is. It's complicated. Because we, we go through this life, most of our life, we go through it not trusting anybody. And then when you're like, all right, cool, I'm going to trust this person. And I'm going to trust this person to be who exactly they are. So even if that's like my best friend, I'm going to trust that, you know, along the line, something's going to happen. You're going to fuck up or, you know, you're going to do something stupid because I know who you are. You know, like a uh, good example is my mom. You know, growing up, she wasn't the, the greatest mom or the best mom. And I held a grudge against her for so long because I wanted her to be what I thought a mother should be, right? All these movies that, do, that they watch, which are all bullshit. You know, let me just throw it out there. Fucking Disney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, I had this idea of what They're a really mom and parent. And, you know, I held this grudge, like, you should be like this. In all reality, I wasn't taking into account of how my mom grew up. And she grew up in a system. She was in group homes from the age of 12 up till she met my dad in California. So for me to expect my mother to be a good mom, like the movies, was unrealistic. And I held on to that for so long, up to probably, you know, recently in the last year and a half, I was like, you know what, man? My mom is the best mom that she could have been. What, what the tools that she had to be a mom and had to accept that. And now me and my mom's, you know, relationship is a lot better because I'm no longer hurt because I know who my mom is. And that forgiveness comes from 
understanding where these people were coming from. Yeah, absolutely. When we're just focused on what we think people should do for us and be for us, we're going to be disappointed so much of the time. Hate to put a percentage to it, but probably 99% of the time. Yeah. And learning to accept people for their flaws. I mean, that's it's a hard thing to do, but once you do, it, it's a lot easier to let go. Yeah. And that's something we all it, need to do. That is a, that is the key to happiness is letting go of shit that you don't need to carry on. What doesn't serve you purpose today, you need to let go so you can find your purpose for tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, nothing's ever going to be perfect. So to be able to just let go of things, it's a skill. Exactly. You know, it's just uh, those things, those life lessons in life that everybody needs to learn. And, you know, they know it is possible. It's out there. Everything's possible. Wherever you want to go, it's possible to get to. The only person that's holding you back. We can go on and on all day about uh, life lessons people need to learn. Yeah. There's no shortage of growth out there, people. So uh, don't sell yourself short. And uh, just always remember, you are worthy of everything in life. You are. Everybody's worthy. want to thank you for uh, <laughs> taking this call. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show with your followers and stuff like that. Uh, you know, hopefully we have more shows to come through. Yeah, you know, so everybody uh, stay tuned. Maybe if I get if I get negative feedback, though, on this one, like you're not coming back. Like, like. <laughs> 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 yeah we'll, we'll let the people decide like uh uh can we not have him back please <laughs> put a vote out there huh <laughs> yeah we're gonna do a poll uh find me on instagram always tripping uh, no but no nah, it's a, it's always a pleasure man and that's you know i love being able to to just sit down and have conversations with people i think that's probably my favorite part of this podcast so i appreciate that man and and i know you're still working to get back in the ring yeah had a few injuries but torn Achilles didn't stop Kobe. It's not stopping you. Oh, right? absolutely That's not. That's the Mamba mentality. Exactly. So really looking forward to that. I can't wait to see you back in the ring doing your thing. And, you know, in case you ever need a, you know, sparring partner, want to get knocked out, you know, just come out here to Texas and I'll find somebody because it's, it's not going to be me. All right. <laughs> There's some big guys out here. You know, we'll find we'll find somebody. <laughs> Yeah, go to definitely. a farm. But you know, before you go, any any knowledge you want to drop on the people? Any bars you got to spit? Uh, one thing, just for the people, man. Always remember uh, as a quote: um, "Who you are and what you do is not as important as what you do with who you are." Bars. Bars. Freestyle Friday. Let's do it. In effect, well, it has to be another time. We got we got to go. <laughs> yeah. But all right, man, I'll talk to you soon. And again, thank you for coming and hanging out. This has been Couch Conversations Part Five. But yeah. neither of us are on a couch. This is true. I'm, yeah, in a chair. I'm not even usually I'm in the living room, but I'm, you know, in the office slash bedroom where all the work goes down. Hey, no, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nah, you know, I'll, I'll hit you up later. But, you know, I got I got to go. So Let's get it. I'm gonna get to work. And uh, all you people out there, remember, be nice. Get it together. All right. <laughs> get it Happiness together, is a choice. <laughs> yes, sir. Peace.